Clara was attending a wedding. Her granddaughter Melissa was with her. and Melissa asked her grandmother, why is a bride always dressed in white? Clara said, well, because white represents happiness. And happiness is, you know, this day is the happiest day of her life. The next question Melissa asked was, then why is the groom dressed in black? Traditions are funny things. The reasons we do the things that we do. And as Baptist folk, we can sometimes be more passionate about our traditions than we are God's truth. First thing I want to do today is talk a little bit about what I mean by human traditions. The message today is the danger of human traditions. So we need to define what I mean by human traditions. Human traditions are rules and rituals that are man-made rather than God-given. So when I talk about human traditions, I mean those things that we do, those rules we have, those rituals we go through that God didn't specifically give us, but things that we have come up with on our own. Some of them good, some of them not so good. For example, a couple of weeks ago, we had a sunrise service on Easter. Wonderful thing. But that's a tradition, right? That's not something God has commanded us to do. That's just a tradition we practice. It's a good tradition. I like sunrise services. Here's another one. We Baptist folk. Someone can join our church by transferring their letter from another church. Right? That's another tradition. That's not something given to us in the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell us you know, that we accept members by transferring a letter of recommendation from another church. But that's what we do. That's a tradition we have. Sunday school is a tradition. We are commanded to preach, teach the Word of God, but Sunday school specifically in that format is having a small group Bible study before we gather for worship. It's not commanded in the Bible. It's a tradition we have. A good tradition. But it is nevertheless a human tradition and not something directly given to us by God. Here's where the problem starts with traditions, whatever they may be. The problem starts when traditions are treated as if they're God's Word. When we elevate traditions and give them the same authority as Scripture, then they become dangerous. When we're more passionate about traditions than we are what the Scripture says, that's a problem. That's when traditions become dangerous. Look, God has given us His Word so that we as His people can glorify and enjoy Him. That's why we have this book. 
But if we're going to glorify and enjoy God in the fullest capacity we can, we have to put Bible over Baptist. You understand? God's Word must always, always be given priority over human tradition. Mark chapter 7 is where I'd like you to look in your Bibles this morning. This scripture we're going to look at demonstrates the Pharisees and the scribes elevating their own human traditions over the Word of God. And we see the dangers that stem from that. Please stand for the reading of God's most holy word. The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him when they had come from Jerusalem and had seen that some of the disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands thus observing the traditions of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you is korban, that is to say given to God. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition which you have handed down. And you do many such things as that. Please be seated. Let's take a moment to pray. Oh Lord, open your word to us. And open us to your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we see the Pharisees and scribes again. The last time we saw them was back in chapter 3. This time, as you see in verse 1, they have sent a delegate from Jerusalem looking for Jesus. Why they have, have they come looking for Jesus? Well, the truth is they want to discredit him and do away with him. That's why they have come. And so you notice immediately they find fault with Jesus' disciples and ultimately with him as their leader. Now, the question that we're going to answer as we examine these verses this morning is this. What 
are the dangers of treating human traditions as if they are God's Word. What are the dangers of treating human traditions as if they are God's Word? Here's the first danger. You ready? It can make you a hypocrite. We see this in the first six verses. Here's the issue. In verse 2, the scribes and Pharisees noticed Jesus' disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. Now, that does not mean their hands were dirty. This is not about hygiene. This means the disciples hadn't done the ceremonial hand washing that the Pharisees and other religious Jews practiced before they ate. Okay? When they say their hands were impure, what they mean was, because you didn't do the ceremonial cleansing, the ceremonial hand washing, that means you are unclean. And when they say unclean, what it means is not physically dirty, it means ritually unclean. Ceremonially unclean. Not fit to worship. If you were unclean, you would not be allowed to go into the temple for worship. So to be unclean in a ceremonial sense represents being in a condition where you're unacceptable to God. And they were saying, you haven't done this ceremonial cleansing of your hands, which involved a specific amount of water, holding your hands in a specific direction. It was a, a detailed process. And they said, because you haven't done this, you're unclean, you're impure, you're unacceptable to God. Now you'll notice verse 3 tells us the Jews don't eat unless they carefully wash their hands, observing the tradition of the elders. Where does this hand-washing rule come from? Well, it's important first to notice where it doesn't come from. It doesn't come from the Bible. The only people in Scripture commanded to ceremonially wash their hands are the priests, Levites. When they're working in the temple before they eat certain foods, they had to ceremonially wash. But what the Jewish religious leaders had done, they had extended this rule to everyone in what was called the tradition of the elders. Now, what is that? Between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament was a period of about 400 years. During this period of time, the Jewish people, the Jewish religious rabbis and leaders developed a set of laws and rules and rituals. For example, they said you're supposed to keep the Sabbath day holy. You're not supposed to work. That's what the Bible says. Well, they wanted to develop some specific rules that specified what it meant to keep the Sabbath. They wanted to develop specific rules that that specify what does it look like to be ceremonially pure and clean. So they, they developed all these rules and all these rituals, and at this point in history, they were oral. They weren't written down. They were just oral traditions. All these rules passed down from generation to generation. That's what they called the tradition of the elders. And here's what you need to understand. For them, it was equally valid to Scripture. 
they called the tradition of the elders the fence around the law. In other words, they saw their traditions as guarding, protecting the law. So they had given extreme importance for them to violate tradition was to violate the Scripture. You see what they had done? They had added to the Scripture. The problem with all these rules and rituals is they went far beyond anything the Bible actually specified. And this hand washing is just one example. They were requiring of people things the Bible didn't require of them in order for them to be acceptable to enter the house of God for worship. The Sabbath is another thing they had done. You remember earlier in Mark, Jesus has already had it out with them over the Sabbath. Because they were saying that some of the things Jesus and His disciples were doing were unlawful, when actually the Scripture never says so. So these laws had become so important to the Jews, to these Jewish religious folk, that they were equal to Scripture. They had added to Scripture with their own traditions. And we see some others in verses 3 and 4. Not only did they wash their hands, but verse 4, they, when the, anytime they came from the marketplace, they would cleanse themselves. Many other things they received in order to observe washing cups and pitchers and pots. So if they came from the marketplace, they were afraid maybe they had accidentally touched a Gentile or accidentally bumped into something that was unclean. So they would go home and clean themselves and immerse anything they were carrying or anything they might have touched. They had to clean it. They did all this stuff according to tradition, even though the Scripture never specified they should do any of these things. How does Jesus respond to them adding their own traditions to the Word of God? Verse 6, He said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. He says, What you're doing, adding to the Scripture with your own tradition, makes you a hypocrite. Now, the word hypocrite referred to someone who was acting out a part on stage, wearing a mask. When we think of a hypocrite, we think of somebody who doesn't practice what they preach. Somebody who says one thing and does another. That's not what Jesus is saying here. They practice what they preached. They accuse the disciples of not washing their hands ceremonially. Well, they did wash their hands. They were not inconsistent. And they were not insincere. They were very sincere in carrying out their own rules and rituals. They were very consistent to practice what they preached. So what made them hypocrites? Jesus quoted Isaiah 29.13 to show what made them hypocrites. They honored God with their lips, but not with their heart. In other words, what made them hypocrites was their religious devotion was all external, not internal. What mattered to them was keeping their rules, not honoring God from the heart. They thought that all that mattered was keeping the rules, 
jumping through their hoops. They had elevated their own rules and rituals to such a place that in their minds, as long as you kept their rules, you were good. The heart was not an issue for them. It's keeping their own rules. See, that's hypocritical. When you have your own set of rules that in your mind makes you right with God and you don't care if your heart's right or if anybody else's heart was right, you, what matters is that they do it the way you want it done. You don't care if it's sincere, if it, anybody's heart. It, it, you just want it done your way. You just want to keep your rules. Jesus said that is hypocritical. Let me give you an example that might come right here home where we are. Alcohol. Maybe you've heard somebody say, maybe you've said yourself, you can't be a good Christian and consume alcohol. You know the only problem with that? It's not in the Bible. Now, the Bible condemns drunkenness. You can say, God forbids drunkenness. Drunkenness is a sin. You're safe to say that. But for you to tell somebody you can't be a good Christian if you consume alcohol as a beverage, you've just placed your own rule above what the Word of God says. Because in the Bible, Paul told Timothy to drink wine for his stomach. Now, I choose not to drink any alcohol, and there are a lot of very good reasons for it. I have personal reasons why I am a teetotaler, and I think that's a good position to have. But I can't stand up here and tell you it's a sin for somebody to have a glass of wine with their dinner. Because I'm going beyond what the Word of God says. And then all I'm concerned with is my own rule, not really what the Bible says. I pastored a church in Florence, and I had a man in that church who took my little, I had a little small lawnmower, and a little riding lawnmower, and he took it home because I had a problem with it. The deck was bent. It was a stamp deck, and it bent easy, and I hit a stump, and it bent it. And he took it home to work on it, to try to straighten that deck for me. I went over one afternoon just to see if it was done or how he was doing. He was out back in his shop working on it, and I noticed in the cup holder of the lawnmower, he was on the ground, and in, in the cup holder was a can of beer in that cup holder. And I could tell it, he was a little uncomfortable that I had, you know, that I saw him and he had a beer. Did that bother me? Do this. Not in the least. You see, I knew this man. I knew this man wasn't a drunk. I knew this man's heart. I had been pastoring this man for several years. Now, I didn't know he drank beer on occasion, but it didn't bother me. But for me to go in that situation and get all steamed up and get all riled up and condemn him because he was at his house in his yard drinking a can of beer on a hot Sunday afternoon, or not Sunday, but on a Saturday afternoon, I may not do that. 
But for me to condemn him for something the Bible doesn't condemn is hypocritical. Are you smelling what I'm stepping in? It can make you a hypocrite when you elevate your own rules above what the Bible says. But I want you to notice the second danger of treating human traditions as if they're God's word. It can make your worship in vain. Verses 7 and 8. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments, or the precepts rather, of men. First thing I need to do is define worship. It can make your worship in vain. We, we use the word worship in too limited a way compared to what it actually means. A lot of times we define worship as what we do the first half of a worship service. We sing and offer praise to God. We think that's what worship is. Well, that's part of it. Worship entails everything we do as an act of devotion to God. Everything. Praying, reading the Bible, preaching and sitting under the preaching of God's Word, helping others in Jesus' name, serving God in and through the church. Anything we do as an act of devotion to God is worship. So don't think just what we do when we gather in this building. Everything you do that you do as an act of devotion to God or because of your devotion to God is worship. And what Jesus says here is, in vain they worship me. Some translations say, um, would, might would say something like, your worship is empty, to no purpose. It, it's useless that you even did it at all. It does you no good. It, it's of no value. Null and void. Why? What made their worship vain? Purposeless. Look what it says in verse 7. First, he says, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Doctrines are the truths that God gives us in His Word. The truth of God's Word. The things we believe and teach from the Scripture are doctrines. Precepts are rules and instructions. What he's saying is, you're teaching your own rules as if that's what God's Word says. You're teaching your own rituals as if that's Scripture. That's exactly what they're doing with this whole hand-washing thing. They were teaching these rules as if that's what the Bible said. When it wasn't. And Jesus said, that makes your worship vain because you've put your own rules in the place of what the Bible says. Listen, when your devotion is based on doing things the way you want to do it and not based on the way God says to do it, then whatever you're doing is pointless. Let me ask you a question. Who is the only one who has a right to tell us how we should worship.
say, well, we can worship God any way we want to. Tell Nadab and Abihu that. You remember who Nadab and Abihu are? Aaron, Moses' brother, who was the first high priest. His sons were priests. Nadab and Abihu were two of his four sons. Nadab and Abihu decided they were going to burn incense to God that God hadn't approved, God hadn't told them to do, so they were going to worship God according to their own rules. What did God do? He killed them. God decides how we should worship Him. When we substitute our own rules for His, it makes whatever you're doing in vain. Here's something else. Notice verse 8. He says, you're neglecting the commandment of God to hold to your own traditions. We're going to see an example of that in verses 9-13 through 13 in just a minute. You've made your own traditions more important than the Scripture so that what you end up doing is neglecting the Word of God. He said, in doing these things, makes your devotion to God makes whatever it is you're doing for God of no value. Imagine it's Monday morning. You're back in school. You show up Monday morning and you finish your research paper. and You're proud because you worked hard on it all weekend. And you come into class feeling confident and the teacher collects all the research papers and when she's looking through them, she sees yours. And she says, why did you write a research paper on World War II? When I told you to write a research paper on World War I. Well, you just say, well, you know, my great-grandfather was in World War II and, and I, I like World War II and I already know a lot about it. And I already had some books on World War II, so I decided it'd just be easier to write on World War II than I'd rather do that, so I just wrote on that. What's the teacher going to do? You're going to get a zero. You're going to get a zero. All that work you did was for nothing. Why? Because when you're the student and not the teacher, you don't make the rules. Listen, when you're the worshiper and not the worshipee, you don't make the rules. And if you worship according to your own rules, it's for nothing. You wasted it. It's all in vain. Let me give you a pretty good example. Roman Catholics pray to Mary. And they pray to the saints. You've ever heard them say the rosary. This is prayers to Mary. You've ever heard them say the Hail Mary all these are prayers to Mary. They pray to the saints. It's every saint for different things and they pray to Mary and the saints. What's the only problem with that? It's not biblical. That is a tradition of the Roman Catholic Church. It's not in the Bible. But see, for the Roman Catholic Church, tradition holds just as much authority as the Bible. Literally. But you know what all those prayers are? 
Sound and fury signifying nothing. They're worthless. Listen to what I'm telling you. Mary has never heard a prayer in the thousands of years she's been in heaven. Never. Not one. Any prayer offered to Mary is spitting in the wind. Any prayer to any saint is spitting in the wind. Why? Because you've elevated your own traditions up to a place above the Scripture. And to do that makes your worship all in vain. There's a third danger of treating human traditions as if they're God's Word. I want you to see it. It's in verses 9 through 13. It can invalidate God's Word. Listen, when you treat human traditions as if they are God's Word, it can invalidate God's Word. Notice what it says in verse 9. Jesus was saying to them, the scribes and Pharisees, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. The, the Scripture is in the way of your tradition, so you just set the Scripture aside so that you can keep your tradition. You prioritize your tradition, your own rules, your own way of doing things. You prioritize that over what the Scripture says. And he gives an example. In verse 10, Jesus quotes the fifth commandment from Exodus 20. Honor your father and mother. And he reminds them of the consequences. He who speaks evil of father and mother should be put to death. Now, the fifth commandment would apply in a couple of different ways. For children, the fifth commandment is applied, you honor your father and mother by obeying them. But what about for adults? Remember, when Moses gave the Ten Commandments, he was giving them to a group of adults. For adults, the way you honor your father and mother is to support them and care for them as they become needy in their old age, unable to work and in a situation where they can't do for themselves, it is your responsibility as honoring your father and mother to care for them. Well, you see, these religious Jews had come up with a way around that. Jesus tells them about it in verse 11. He refers to it as korban. If a man says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you is korban. That is to say, given to God. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Here's the deal. To declare something korban means you had possessions or money that you were going to dedicate to God. Practically, it means it would be given to the temple. But it wasn't given right away. You retained possession of it as long as you lived, but you couldn't use it for any way to profit. But it was set aside for God, and that meant because you had dedicated to God, you couldn't even use it to support your parents. This is what the Jews said. Well, you made a vow to God, and your vow to God is higher than your responsibility to the, honor the fifth commandment. 
But see, this whole Corban thing was invented by men. It didn't come from the Bible. The Bible doesn't give you a loophole to keep from having to give your money to your parents if they need it. The Bible doesn't give you a loophole to keep you from supporting your parents when they... You understand what I'm saying? But that's what they had created. Because here's the thing. Once you dedicated that to God, you made that vow, the rabbis of Jesus' day would not allow you to revoke it. You could not go back on it. Now, to their credit, in later centuries, they did make that rule reversible. But in Jesus' day, it was non-reversible. You couldn't go back on it. So essentially, you could have this money, which you could use to help your parents, but you could say, well, you know, I devoted it to God. And you know what it does? You're breaking the fifth commandment and make it sound like you're doing it because of your devotion to God. Making it look like you're pious and religious and you're good because you've devoted your money to God when all the while what you've done is blatantly disregarded God's Word. What have they done? They've taken their own rules and they put them above Scripture. And what did Jesus say? What does it do? Look at it in verse 13. Thus, invalidating the Word of God by your tradition which you've handed down, making it null and void. You have actually treated God's Word as if it had never said anything at all. It's like you just ripped the fifth commandment out of the Bible. You've invalidated the Scripture by your own rules. When I was in high school, I worked at McDonald's for a while. I had two friends that worked there, John and Ed. They were kind of known as the closing crew. They closed most nights on the weekends, John and Ed did. Well, we had a specific procedure. They taught us how to clean the grills at night for those who were closing. They had special products used to clean the grills, special procedures you went through to make sure the grills were clean, sanitized, and all that for the next day. Well, John and Ed had developed their own little system. They didn't use the products and procedures that we were taught to use to clean the grill. You know what they used? Hand soap. While the grill was still warm, they would turn it off and let it cool some. But before it got all the way cool, they would pour this thick hand soap on the grill because they said it made it easier to clean it. So they cleaned it with hand soap. I wonder, I wonder if... We were taught a specific procedure to clean that grill, given specific products. I wonder if there were some good reasons behind that. I wonder if there might be some danger of cleaning the cooking surface of people's food with hand soap. I wonder if there might be some chemicals or things in that hand soap that probably really shouldn't be on people's food. You see where I'm going? What did they do by creating their own little process? They just, it's just like they tore that page out of the rule book. They just completely disregarded the procedures and products given for that specific process. Listen, when you take your own traditions and you elevate them up here as if they're God's Word, you've just taken the Scripture and you're just tearing pages out of it. 
Well, it don't matter what the Bible says. This is how we do it. You just invalidate God's Word because this is the way you like to do it. This is the way you want to do it. Church family, please listen carefully to what I'm fixing to say. This is the way we do it. Or this is the way we've always done it. Is never a good reason for doing something a certain way. Just because you've always done it that way does not mean it's the right way. That does not make it good. That does not etch the rule in stone just because this is how you've done it in the past. You understand? The only thing that's ironclad and unreversible is what the Bible says. Everything else is negotiable. I don't care how many hundreds of years you've been doing it a certain way. The only thing that holds sway for the people of God is the Word of God. We cannot invalidate the Bible just because we have our own rules and our own way we like to do things. Let me give you a real good example. Now, I've never had this experience in this church, but I've had it in many others. Talking about electing deacons. I haven't been here for that process, so I'm going to speak from experience in other churches. The process in most Baptist churches that I've been in for electing deacons is a popularity contest. We let people give nominations. Those who receive enough nominations are put on the ballot. We pass out the ballot. Everybody picks, if we're electing three deacons, they pick three off the ballot. And the three that get the highest number of votes are made deacons. Second, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 3 gives the requirements for a deacon. The character they're supposed to have. The kind of men they're supposed to be. The kind of life they're supposed to lead. When we just adopt our own way of doing things, it's, it's like the Holy Spirit may as well never even inspired 1 Timothy 3. He may as well just left that out there because we're going to completely disregard it and do it the way we want to anyhow. Listen to me. I don't care how many votes you get. If you don't meet the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3, you're not qualified to be a deacon. You understand? In Acts chapter 6, when, when the apostles were telling the people to choose men to, to serve food to the people, to take over this work, what we normally think of as the first deacons, they, they didn't tell them to let people vote. They said, choose men who are full of the Spirit of God. Men are full of wisdom. In other words, they were to look for men with a certain character. It's not a popularity vote. The first thing you do is not put in your bylaws, who's eligible to be a deacon? They have to be at least 21 years old. They have to have been a member for the church for three years. You know, we have our little rules. No, 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 no. They're eligible to be a deacon if they fit the bill described in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I don't care how many years they've been in the church. I don't care how many votes they get. Why? Because God has already told us 
who to make deacons. And it says, let them first be tested. And if they pass the test, then they can be deacons. You know how you elect deacons? You look for the men who are already being deacons. Who already have the character and the spirituality described in 1 Timothy 3. You look for the men who are already doing the kind of ministry that deacons are supposed to do. You identify these men by their character, not by how long they've been a member of this church, not by how well-liked they are. You understand? Why? Because we've been given something in the Bible that already tells us that. If we elevate our own rules above that, we're just tearing pages out of the Bible. Listen to me. God's Word must always be given priority over human tradition. God's Word must always be given priority over human traditions. I want to make a suggestion to you that I think would be helpful. Most of you have a Bible. If you don't tell me, I'll get you one. But most of you in your Bible, in, in the front, there's usually some blank space somewhere up there. I'm going to suggest that you write something somewhere in one of the fly leaves of your Bible. Three words. Truth over tradition. Truth over tradition. And underneath it, write Mark 7, 1 to 13. So you'll remember where that came from. And you won't think that's just something we made up. Truth over tradition. And underneath it, write the text from this sermon, Mark 7, 1 through 13. Write that somewhere in the flyleaf of your Bible. So when you open your Bible once, and once every now and again, you'll be reminded that we can never put our own rules and rituals above what the Word of God says. We can't even make it equal to what the Word of God says. Oh, I wonder if you understand this. God has so graciously given us His Word so that we know how to glorify and enjoy Him. And traditions have value when they serve God's Word and God's purpose. I'm not telling you to throw out all tradition. I'm telling you to examine all tradition. And make sure they serve God's Word and God's purpose and not undermine God's Word and God's purpose. Traditions have value when and only when they serve God's Word and God's purpose. When they add to God's Word or when they invalidate God's Word, they have to be rejected out of hand. Listen, when we begin to treat human traditions as if they are God's Word, we are on dangerous ground. We become our own worst enemies. For our ultimate good, 
and for God's highest glory, it must always and ever be truth over tradition. Let's pray.